Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain, near the cross a trembling soul, love and mercy found me, there the bright and morning star sheds its beams around me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall beyond the river. Near the cross I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever, till I reach the golden strand. Just beyond the river, in the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find.
Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know where the lyrics that's went. Fine. Thanks. No, that's right. Go ahead, guys. Going down. All right. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13 tonight. Again, we have our new members reception, and we're glad about that. Excited about it. And uh, tonight, I thought I would share this simple thought tonight, and uh, we'll get right to things this evening. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. A very simple verse. The Bible says, I am, the Lord says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty simple. Alpha and Omega. We start talking about the alphabet, the beginning, the end. We see he's the beginning and the end, obviously, and the first and the last. And um, if we take that verse and we could just boil it all down to, I guess, one statement, I could simply say this. Uh, The fact is, is that everything begins and ends with Christ. It's that simple. It all begins and ends with Christ. Everything does. You know, one of my duties as the pastor of Cunard Baptist Temple through the years has been to counsel or to help people, couples, families, um, to do what I can to make an impact, to encourage them in the things of Christ. I've sat down with hundreds of people, literally hundreds, I'm sure. I don't know, maybe more, I don't know. But through those years, I've heard the same story over and over and over again. You say, well, what's that story? Well, it's your story. My story. When it's all said and done, there may be some unique nuances in every single case, but the story is almost always the same. Almost always. People are always people. And although we are very unique in our personalities and appearances, we're all still just human. And so everyone would like to believe that they're unlike everybody else, that they're different. That they're the exception to all the natural and universal laws. But that's simply not the case. The fact is today is that the problems may vary, but the root is most often the same. It always boils down to one thing usually. And the answer to our every hurt, every heartache, and every situation is the same as well. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, He literally is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He's the Alpha and Omega. Everything begins and ends with Christ. We want to believe somehow that there's some special formula that fixes our problem. There's some special solution that belongs specifically to us all the time. That somehow we need a certain four-step program or six-step or 12-step. But when it's all said and done, I want you to understand if you want lasting change in your life, it will come only through Jesus Christ. Today we have our new members reception and, you know, some may be new members uh, of of, uh, old Christians that are new members. Some may be new Christians that are new members. But but either way, let me tell you, the answers are always the same. Um, It's just the way it is. And so whether you're building a life, whether you're building a marriage, a family or a ministry, it begins and ends with him. And that's the reality of it. That's just the way it is. First of all, we know that God is the architect. 
in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He created the heaven and the earth. He's the architect. He's the architect. But also, He provides the blueprint. The Bible tells us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Psalm 119, 105. We know He's the builder. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And we also know that He's the very foundation by which we build. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the Lord Jesus Christ is the architect. In reality, He is the blueprint. He's also the builder, and He's the foundation. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the great I Am. He's everything. And sadly enough, the devil would want us to believe that there is someone or something else other than him that will meet our need and to provide us with the comfort that we seek. But the reality is, is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the first and the last. He is everything in between. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20 says... Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Oh, I know there are those that will invest in your life. I realize there are foundations in a sense in which we build. But when it's all said and done, everything rises and falls. Everything rests on none other than Jesus Christ. And that's just the reality of all things. So if you want to build a marriage today, it starts and it ends with Jesus Christ. You want to build a church today, it starts and it ends with Jesus Christ. You, you, want, to, you want to build a life today, it begins and it ends with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether it's a life, a marriage, a family, or a ministry. It all begins, it all ends with Jesus Christ. And the minute we learn that, the moment we really grasp that, when it finally sinks in and we ultimately turn our attention wholly, completely, solely to Jesus Christ, that is when all of a sudden things will begin to happen. We are doing things so often in our flesh. We are so comfortable dealing with life as it has been dealt to us and explained to us even by the world. But the fact is, is that Jesus Christ, He is the architect, the blueprint, the builder, and the foundation upon which we must build. So everything begins and ends with Christ. You can't go wrong with the Lord. He's the master builder. And so you need to build on Him. So I want to give you a couple, I guess, thoughts about how to build. Just thoughts about building. And so I'm going to give you three of those real basic ones here in just a moment. Before we do, let's pray. Father, we come to you. We just thank you, Lord, that we do have you to turn to. Lord, as we have our new members reception even, Lord, as we think about just some of these folks beginning the ministry with us, being a part of it and Lord, they're going to have opportunity to build their lives, build their marriages, build their families and build this church even. Lord, I pray that, Father, you'd help them and us alike, Father, to realize that everything begins and ends with you. But, Lord, we are wasting our time if we're looking elsewhere for the, for the real 
power and the strength and the ability to, to bring about Father building. Lord, we want it to be done your way, and we want it to be lasting. Now, Father, help us, Lord, uh, tonight just to take these three simple thoughts and, Father, make them real in our own lives. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, turn, if you would, to Philippians 1.6, a very familiar passage probably as a result of our studies recently and Wednesday nights. But Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 <clears throat> There we read, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. First of all, let me say that you can be sure that God is anxious to do a good work in your life, in your marriage, your family, and your ministry. You're talking about building something. I want to build a life. I want to build my marriage. I want to build my family. I want to build the ministry. Well, I want you to know that, there's, that God is anxious to do a good work in your life. A good work in your marriage. A good work in your family. And a good work in the ministry. He's anxious. Years ago, the teens went to contest. And uh, I remember sitting in the front row as the quiz team took their seats in the, in the front, along with uh, a couple of other teams. I was uh, sitting on pins and needles, to be honest with you, as they asked the first question or two. And I still remember that exhilarating, exhilarating feeling that I had when they began to pull away from those other teams. See, just a year before that, they had sat in those seats, and uh, just a year before that, they had hardly gotten off the ground. They just sank. I mean, the questions were asked. They didn't even get to their feet before the answers were already spewing out of the mouth of the other teams. Now this year, all of a sudden now, I mean to tell you, they were standing on their feet, they were giving the answers, and they were just pulling away from the field. And I was excited. I was extremely pleased. They had worked so hard, and now it was paying off. I still remember praying over and over and over again, God reward them according to their labor. God reward them according to their labor. They had worked so hard that year. And there they were now, pulling away. And God took good care of them, and they did very, very well that year. I can't remember if they won or not, but I know they did very well. I don't know for sure if there was anybody that wanted them to succeed any more than I did. See, I'm confident and I believe today that hard work pays off. And I think God blesses hard work. And I wanted our teens at that point to realize that and recognize that. And so I kept saying, Lord, reward them according to their labor. Boy, they'd worked hard and now it was paying off. I don't know if anybody wanted to win more than me. But I want you to know there is no one in this world that wants you to succeed any more than Jesus Christ does. There's nobody in this room that wants me to succeed in life, that wants me to succeed in my marriage, that wants me to succeed in, in my relationship with Him or even in the ministry more than the Lord Jesus Christ wants me to succeed. And I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be my mom. It could be my dad. It could be my wife or my family. There's not one person that wants me to succeed more than the Lord Jesus Christ does. I want you to know He is anxious today for... for to do a good work in your life, 
to do good work in your marriage, in your family, in your ministry, if there's a problem in your life, if there's a problem in your marriage, if there's issues in your family, if there's problems even in the ministry, I want you to know there's no one to turn to other than Jesus Christ that can help you anymore. Oh, you can turn to a self-help book. You can turn to something online. You can go ahead and try to figure it out on your own. But the fact is today is that we've got a God in heaven that is concerned about us, that cares about us, that loves us, and he is more anxious to see you succeed than anybody else. Nobody wants your marriage to be better than God does. Nobody wants your life to be better than God does. Nobody wants this ministry to succeed more than Jesus Christ. So he is the beginning and he is the end and he is everything in between. It's time we turn to God. Because I can guarantee you, nobody wants or is more anxious to do that work in your life than He. Not only that, but not only can you be sure that God is anxious to do a good work, but number two, don't expect immediate results. You must be patient. Again, we're talking about building. We're talking about growing. We're talking about God doing something in our life. See, you know, the duration of this project is a lifetime. Even as he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he says, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means until the time that Jesus returns in glory. That he comes back for you and I at what we would call the rapture. The fact is, is that that would be the end of your life. Whether you die of natural causes or whether you go up in the rapture, it doesn't matter. It's a lifetime element, he says. I'm going to be working on you. I began it. I'll finish it. And the fact is today, you and I cannot expect immediate results in our life. We must be patient. The Christian life is a waiting game. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Boy, I'll tell you what, we live in a fast food society. The fact is, is that everything that we want, we want now. I mean, we want to get married today and already have a nice house already have a nice car, already have a big bank account. We want all the things that our parents have the moment we enter into that relationship and into that union. I mean, teenagers today want all the best things that there are on the earth. They act as though or feel sometimes that they're missing out when they don't have everything that everybody else has. Let me tell you something. It's good to learn to wait. Because listen, that is what life is all about. The fact is today is we get more trouble today because we don't wait on the Lord than any other reason. We have to have this now. We got to have her now. We got to have him now. We got to have that now. We want our pleasure and our needs met now. We can't wait for God to do it. We got to take care of it ourselves. We can't wait on God. But when you start talking about building your life, building your marriage, building your, uh, your family, building the ministry. We have to understand that there's going to be an expectation level there. And sometimes we're going to want it now. But we have to be very careful that we don't expect immediate results. We've got to be patient. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord, he said. Over our lifetime... You've developed some bad habits. I've developed some bad habits. Now again, maybe you're a new Christian. You've had years of messing it all up. And now, you want it fixed. And that's all right. 
And maybe you are a child of God, and for years you've been saved. But the fact is, is that your life hasn't been yielded and surrendered to Christ like it ought to be. And possibly your marriage hasn't been what it should be. Maybe you've been watching the kind of movies you shouldn't watch. And maybe you've been going the kind of places you shouldn't go. And maybe you've allowed the devil to fill your mind, your heart with wicked thoughts and sinful thoughts. And now you're struggling in your marriage. Now things are falling apart and you want it fixed now. And so what you do, you gather up things and you finally get so desperate you can't stand it. And you finally come to the pastor after your wife or your husband's about ready to end it all anyway. And then you rush into the room, the office, you sit across the desk and you pretend or feel somehow that you have the most unique story ever in the history of mankind. And you begin to tell this long-gated story about how you didn't realize that it was as bad as it was. And for years, it's things, you know, you thought things were going well. And then your wife steps up and says, I'm through. I can't deal with it anymore. I've gone through this for years. I can't handle it anymore. And you say, see what I'm dealing with? Nobody's ever had to deal with this before. Nobody's ever been in my position. Really. Just about 90% of people that walk into my office wait till it's too late. Then they, want to, then they want it done now. Fixed now. They want God to do something now. After they've taken years to ruin and wreck what God gave them to begin with. But they want God to do something now. That's usually how it goes, folks. We'll spend years getting into sin and then expect God to take care of the consequences now. I'm just telling you, you better learn to be patient. Nobody wants you to succeed more than God does. Nobody wants your marriage, your life, your family, or your ministry to succeed more than He does. But I want you to understand, if it's going to happen, you must be willing to wait and be patient and let God do that work. Some years ago, I dropped a glass on the hardwood floor in my bedroom. That glass shattered in a million pieces. You know how that goes. A couple big pieces here, of course, a couple smaller ones there. But it just seemed like it went everywhere. And I still remember going in there and thinking, man, I've got to get this cleaned up. I'll take care of it. I just thought, no way, I've got to take care of this because I am not going to, you know, end up stepping on some glass. Man, I'm sweeping this glass up. I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe I dropped this glass on the floor. I'm sweeping her up. I'm trying to clean it up. Sherry's giving me a hand. Of course, she always does. And matter of fact, I probably was really giving her one. But anyway, the fact was I thought I felt like I was cleaning it all up. And I thought I had it all figured out. And it was looking pretty good. But you know, for months, I'm going to be honest with you, for months, I, I wore slippers or shoes in that bedroom. I just, I just knew. I, you know, I was, was not going to let myself fall into the trap of stepping on some glass. You know, just, just being careful. And I'm a little paranoid like that. So here I am wearing my slippers, wearing my shoes, and man, I mean to tell you, it was going fine. And all of a sudden, you know how it is, things just in the back of your mind start slipping, you don't really think much about it. Next thing you know, I come in there with just my socks on one day, pretty soon it doesn't matter anymore, I forgot all about that. And it was just, I mean, months down the road, months down the road. I'm going along there and all of a sudden I feel, yo, oh, 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 I get over there, oh, 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 oh. I mean, it was gushing blood. And I, I, I reached down there trembling, pulled that shard of glass up. Oh! 
after all those months, it bit me. It got me good. All those months. I had swept the floor numerous times. Or Sherry did. <laughs> but still the effects of that broken glass produced pain in my life. And that's something. Let me ask you a question. How many glasses have you dropped, so to speak, in your life, in your marriage, your family, or maybe even in the ministry? And for some reason, we get the idea that God's supposed to fix everything with one wide swoop of his broom. Just clean it, wide sweep. Well, everything should be fine now. No more pain. No more consequence. No more suffering as a result of my bad decisions. Everything's fixed and swept clean. You know, it's interesting. God didn't drop. He didn't break. He didn't shatter anything in your life. You and I did that. And we've got to understand it's going to take some time for all the pieces of our life to be picked up and put back together. Give God a chance. His work is a lifetime work, but you have to be patient. It doesn't work like that. All clean, all fixed, all right. It takes time. Because there's little pieces that hang and linger. And it takes time for them to eventually be swept away. Don't expect immediate results. Do yourself a favor and realize that it took you a long time to get where you are in your life, your marriage, your family, or your ministry. And say, you know what, God, it took me a long time to get there. I'm going to give you sufficient time to help me deal with it and get through it. Number three, we start talking about building things. We know that there's no one more anxious to do that work in our life than the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to be careful. We don't expect immediate results. We have to be patient. And then finally, number three, along with that one, it's real simple, obvious, really, but I don't know that we think about it often. Don't fight the builder. Don't fight the builder. Let him do his work in your life because, see, when he starts to do the sweeping and the cleaning up, it's going to cost you something. It's not always easy. See, we always see the end result. We always say, okay, this is what I want. It, it's, it's like we talked this morning. Everybody wants a good marriage. Everybody does. You'd be, I, I've never known anybody to go to the altar and go, I'm going to make a mess of this one. I've got it figured out. I know exactly how to ruin and wreck her life and mine. I don't, know if I've known, I don't know if anybody's ever entered into it that way. Everybody enters into marriage going, oh, you know, you're the best thing since sliced bread, and we're gonna, God's going to bless us. It's going to be a wonderful life. But something happens along the way. And, and I know there's always the exception rule. There's somebody out there going, you just don't know. I, I know, I'm not talking that. Maybe, maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you're the one in one million. I don't know. 
But what I do know is that it does take two to tango, and it does seem to me that it takes a lot of effort to do things God's way at times. When God starts to work back in your marriage, after it's been wrecked and ruined, after somebody's done something they shouldn't do or said things they shouldn't have said, after years of not fulfilling the biblical model and roles that God has deemed and required and expected of us, And all of a sudden now, we can't figure out why things are upside down. Let me tell you, yes, we all want that perfect marriage. Yes, we all want it to work out well. But it's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take a lot of change. And God is going to be doing some molding. And He's going to be trying to build you and make you into what He wants you to be. Because, see, marriage problems are not... This is a fallacy, really. You know, we like to talk about it takes two, you know. But the reality is, is that it's all your problem. You have the problem. See, if my wife has a problem, I have a problem. It's my problem. And I've got to deal with it. it. It doesn't do any good for me to say, well, when she changes, then everything will be fine. No, we both have to deal with this. I've got to deal with it. It's my problem. And okay, so she might be messing up by the numbers. And obviously, if there was a problem in our marriage, it would be her fault. You guys aren't even awake. You know what? You, you, you might be awake, but you really are struggling with this message then, obviously, because you're, you're starting to worry about your marriage right now, and you're starting to say, what do you mean it's my fault? Yeah, I'm talking about you, ma'am, who thinks your husband doesn't listen to you much. You better work at it. You don't just wait for him to change. Oh, yeah, should he change? I'm sure he should, but you better change too. Are you the Christian you ought to be, ma'am? Are you the Christian you ought to be, sir? Because the reality is God's going to have to do some real molding in all of your lives. Each life, if there's a marriage, it's going to grow. I'm amazed how many couples sit in front and there's always, it seems like somebody always thinks they're the innocent party. I'm the victim. So are you the, you the Christian you ought to be? Well, there's some areas I could get better. Then why don't you start working on you? Maybe you can take some responsibility. I'm sorry, but listen, I'm sorry, but I get tired of trying to help couples or help families. And you, got, you, you bring your kids in, and the kids are sitting on the, the front, and they're, oh, this kid's just really a problem. It's really a problem. And I don't know what to do with this kid. And I, and I say, okay. And then I think to myself, what kind of Christian are you? What are you watching behind closed doors in your bedroom? I mean, let, let's fix mom and dad first. Let's deal with the real root problems. Let's make sure there's no hypocrisy in the home first before we try to fix Junior, who's a byproduct of the hypocrisy usually. He's going to say, whoa, 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 this ain't what we expected on. We were expecting you to love us tonight. I do. I care about you. But it starts with every one of us. It's uncomfortable for God to do His work in our life. You really think it's easy? Then you haven't been dealing with God much. There's not one time that God gets and deals with me where it don't hurt. I mean, it's painful. And it's a battle sometimes. If I fight God, I lose every time. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say this? I'm angry at God. I'm angry at God. You ever heard that? Of course you've heard that. And you know what? As we look at it, humanly speaking, it makes sense sometimes. Man, if somebody did to me what God has allowed to happen in their lives sometimes, I'd be ticked off at them. 
but he's God. And he's their creator, and he put them on earth. And, and, and a lot of times we do create our own problems, whether we want to admit it or not. And we say, well, God let that happen. Yeah, maybe to get your attention. But the fact is that things do happen in our life. But here's, let me ask you something. Does it do any good to be mad at God? What, what, yeah, what good does that do you? You say, well, it's natural. And I have a right to be mad. Do you have a right? Because biblically you probably don't. But nonetheless, the fact is, is that does it do you any good to be miserable? God's trying to work in your life. He wants to make you a better person. He wants to help you build your marriage. He wants to help you build your family. He wants you to help build the church. What are you going to let? You're going to fight God when he starts working in your life? Because that's what goes on so often. He's the architect. He has the blueprint. He knows exactly what you and I need. Don't fight God. Don't fight the builder. Let him do his work in your life. Let him reveal your weaknesses. Let him tell you where you fail. Let him tell you where you're strong even. But let God speak to you. Let him work in your life. Let him take away that thing you love most. That may be as simple as a stupid television set. Or a phone. Or it may be a loved one. But we have to allow God to have his way in our life. Don't fight him. Don't fight the architect. Don't fight the master. It won't do any good. And it will hinder your ability to grow. And your, your life, your marriage, your family, even your ministry will suffer if you choose to fight him. Don't do it. Don't do it. The preacher was very wise yesterday in his messages. Really good speaker. Did a tremendous job. But young people, God put those authorities in your life. Mom and dad. You fight them, you're fighting God. Don't fight God. You say, but they're not God and they're not right. It doesn't matter what you think. They're your authority. So guess what? You fight them, you fight God. It's simple. And you know what? You say, well, I want God to bless my life. He can't bless your life if you're fighting him. Well, I I just don't. You don't know my mom or my dad. I don't have to know them, but I know what God says about them. Okay, listen, you may not have to agree with their position and their place, but listen, let me tell you something. You're still to honor and obey them. It's what I know. They're not, they're not asking you to do something immoral, I trust. They're not asking you to do something that's unethical, I trust. And then if that's the case, you need to come talk to a leader that can give you some real biblical scriptural advice and help you with those kind of decisions. Because to be frank with you, I don't think you have the ability to make those decisions. You cannot possibly... Be in fellowship and communion with God if you are at war with your family or your parents. It doesn't work. Don't fight God. Don't do it. Wives, listen, don't fight God. Oh, here we go now. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Who's the authority in your home? In your marriage? Listen, okay, go ahead. You can buy into the world philosophy. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead, buy into it. I don't have to listen to him. He's nobody to me. Listen, I'm smarter than he is. You may very well be smarter. But he's still the authority in the home. Go ahead and fight your husband on those things. Go ahead, battle with him. You are battling with God. I know that doesn't come across. That's tough. You say, well, you don't know my circumstances. Well, then maybe you need some biblical counsel. 
because maybe you need to give that position, you know, that per, get a perspective. No, don't just run to your closest friend. Don't just go to somebody that finally agrees with you. Don't just say, well, you know, this is what's going on. Don't you think I should be able to do this? And they go, well, and you go, yeah, so whatever. And then you go to your next friend, you know, this is what's been going on. And, I, and, and, and then finally someone says, yeah, I don't blame you, man. I wouldn't put up with that junk. And then you go, that's right. Well, you better be careful with that one. But you don't know what he's doing. What he says, how he lives, how he acts. Okay. Last time I checked, he's, re- he's the one reporting to the Lord. So he's going to answer. Do you know he's responsible for every decision in your home? Do you realize that whether you make the decision or he makes it, either one, he's going to be held accountable for it? Do you realize in this church, it doesn't matter what any of you want, in the end, I I will have to answer for the decisions or the direction of this ministry? If I turn it over to you and you can do whatever you want, right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm still going to answer for it. Do you realize that? I mean, that's true in any position of leadership and authority. The leader always has to take responsibility for it. And when you fight authority, God-given authority, you're fighting God then. We can't fight the Lord. If we honestly want our lives, our marriages, our families, and our ministries to succeed, then we must allow God to do His work in our life. Sometimes He will use people. Sometimes He'll use circumstances. But anyway, He sets it up, however He chooses to do it, don't fight Him. Because you won't grow. You can be sure God's anxious to do a good work in your life. Nobody wants you to succeed more than God does. Nobody. But don't expect immediate results. Be patient. Let God do His work in your life. And no matter what comes your way, do not fight God. Submit yourself to Him. Allow Him to have His will and His way in your life. You'll be glad you did. God never quits on us. But you know, the reality is, is most do quit on God. Most do. Is there somebody singing in here? Can we stop singing, please? Thank you, I appreciate that. I'm almost done. I read somewhere that part-time faith is like a part-time job. It'll never fully support you. I read that. That's pretty good, isn't it? A part-time faith is like a part-time job. It will never fully support you. Listen, God's the architect tonight. He has the blueprint for your life. He's the builder and He provides the foundation. He's everything. And He's all that you need. But do not substitute God for someone or something else in your life. Let God have His will and way in your life. He wants you to succeed. John, God wants you to succeed more than your mother does. And I know she loves you. She wants you to succeed. She wants you to be happy. She wants to have joy in your life. But, but nobody wants you to succeed more than God does. Nobody. But you have to be patient. You've got to wait on the Lord. You've got to realize that there's things in your life that God's trying to clean up and work on. It may take some time. Don't expect everything to be perfect right off the bat. And then, when things do get a little tough and God starts going a little tough on you, 
things don't seem to be going your way in the midst of that recovery, I want you to know this, that you can't fight God. Don't fight God, okay? Don't do it. Continue to listen to your pastor. Continue to follow your mom. Continue to allow yourself to be under the authority you're supposed to be under, doing what you're supposed to do. Don't depart from God. Don't leave God, okay? Don't do that. You know something that's true with every one of us in the room, just like we talked about in John. He's not recovering from anything that I'm aware of. Except that he drives a motorcycle that leaks gas, and he's got a hip that he's still trying to get back in place. So he's got a couple issues he needs to deal with. But God does want him to succeed more than anybody else. So you do have hope, brother. God's good to us. Hey, listen, let's just let God have his way in our life. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Who are you going to turn to? Who are you going to allow have authority in your life? It ought to be Jesus Christ. He's everything. He's everything. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for your...